Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is none other than Dr. Ryan Godfordson. He is the author of the new book, The Elevated Leader. We've had him on the show before. Look, the stuff that we're going to talk about today is stuff that he meant for business leaders, but we are going to talk about how to apply it to anybody at any phase in your life. So if you are, you know, if, if you are a, if you're a parent, you want to be a better parent. If you are just a student, you want to be a better student, you want to elevate how you interact with people, uh, the, how, how you lead your own life. This is uh, the interview you need to listen to and the book that you need to check out. Uh, it is it is great for people at all stages, and that is why I wanted to bring this to you. So here, without further ado, our interview with Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson. Ryan Gottfriedson, uh, friend of the show, because you've been on here before uh, for your book, Success Mindsets, but most importantly, author of the new book, The Elevated Leader. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on again. We must have done something right the first time. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. So you, you came on before. We talked about success mindsets, uh, you, you know, the, how, to, how to frame yourself, how to frame your mind for, uh, for being the most successful version of yourself. But now you've written a book called The Elevated Leader. It's, uh, it's a primer on leadership. What is, why, why, there's a lot of books about leadership and or, both organizationally and personally. Why, what is, what was missing? Why, why The Elevated Leader? What does it mean? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I think just first and foremost, let's let's define leadership. For me, leadership is not about position. It's about one's ability to be a positive influence within their spheres of responsibility. So okay. wherever we're at, I think we could always be a positive influence. And this book is all about elevating our ability to, to be that positive influence. Mm. Now, what's unique about this book is it introduces a form of development that most people aren't aware of, but I think all people want. Okay. And, and once we introduce it, all of a sudden light bulbs start going off, things start clicking, and we can accelerate our growth and development. Okay, so all right. So the, what, what is this idea of vertical vertical development? And um, and yeah, I mean, I, I also want to I also want to flesh out a little bit more what you mean by by individual spheres of influence. Yeah, great. Right, well, it's just individual spheres of influences is wherever we reside, right? This is, uh, as a parent, I'm part of my sphere of influence is my family. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking before the show started. I'm also a coach for my son's football team. That's mm -hmm. a sphere of influence. Right. I'm involved. I'm a professor. So I've got a class where I, that's my sphere of influence. So it's in all these settings, how can we have a greater positive influence? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So what, what we know and what we're used to when it comes to development is we're used to a form of development that's called horizontal development. Okay. Now, horizontal development is like a typical high school, college class. What we're doing is we're adding new knowledge and new skills. And, and this is great. Like if we get degrees, if we get certificates, that's great because what that does is it broadens our functionality. Okay. So, so that's one of the ways we could develop. I, I would argue that it's 95% of our development efforts focus on horizontal development. Sure. I, I, yeah, that's, to me, that's, I wouldn't frame it that way. Like I would say that you're moving up, you're getting yourself, you're increasing mm. your education, all that stuff. So, but I hear your point is that you're broaden, broadening your skill set, right? So you're not actually, yeah. you're not actually moving up. You're just adding assets to the plane that you're on already. Um, okay. I can, I can appreciate that. So uh, but, but well, let me give you an analogy, if right. that's okay. Right? I also, I also want the distinction with what a vertical development looks like, but give, give me the analogy first. Yeah. 
So this is horizontal development is kind of like downloading an app onto an iPad. What that does is that broadens that iPad's functionality, but it doesn't necessarily improve how effectively that iPad operates. Okay. Right. So in a similar fashion, if I take an accounting class, I'm going to download the accounting app onto my iPad. Okay. And that's going to allow me to now balance budget seats. I can now do something more than what I could do before. And that could help me to be more successful. Interesting. But if I just download that accounting app onto my iPad, does that improve my ability to navigate change, pressure, uncertainty, complexity, difficult relationships? It doesn't. No. Right? If, right. if we want that, rather than downloading the app, we've got to upgrade our own internal operating system. Okay. And that's what vertical development is about, is about upgrading our internal operating system so that we can navigate change, pressure, complexity, uncertainty in more effective ways. Okay, so change, pressure, complexity, uncertainty. Uh, and I'm assuming that these this is the context under which you know you, your leadership is important, right? Is that, is that why you're, you're making the, that distinction? For sure, yeah. And I think it, it's really just all dynamics, right? How do we navigate, just more effectively navigate all situations we encounter. I mean, you you told me that you uh, ref soccer. Yeah, right? all, all the time. Refing soccer is not easy. There, you know, especially when you got fans yelling at you or whatever whatever it might be. Is mm -hmm. that's a pretty complex situation? Well, sure. How could I improve my internal operating system so that I'm less inclined to snap back and I could stay more present and more mindful so that I could continue to be the effective in this situation ref that I want to be. Okay. Okay. All right. So now I, I can kind of understand, I understand the analogy. Can you give me some examples of what vertical uh, growth looks like, vertical development looks like uh, so it, it, to contrast with what, you know, with, with what we've defined horizontal development as? Yeah. And, and we might want to take a couple of stabs at this. So let me, let me start it at one level. Um, the the technical definition of vertical development is is a mouthful but we'll unpack it the okay. technical definition is elevating our ability to make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways Oi, okay all right so ele yeah. okay yeah yeah break start so breaking that down yeah so it's all about how we make meaning of our world and do we do so with cognitive and emotional sophistication so let me give you an example how would you say that most people respond to constructive criticism? Yeah, a lot of people are defensive. Their first, their first right. move when you get criticism is to be defensive, even even if you're practiced at, at constructive criticism. <laughs> yep. Because and what what's happening is when we get defensive, we're we're holding up a shield. We're effectively holding up a shield. And why would we ever do that? Well, we would only do this if we make meaning of constructive criticism as an attack. Okay. Okay. And when we make meaning of it as an attack, therefore we get defensive. Right. And right. we've got to we got to ask ourselves, is that cognitively and emotionally sophisticated? No. No. You're right. absolutely right. So a sign of maturity yeah. is actually being able to handle constructive criticism. I I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. So so the next level up might be this might be an attack. And therefore it depends on who delivers it and how they deliver it. Sure. And that's a little bit more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated, but to your point, the most cognitively and emotionally sophisticated people I know is is they see constructive criticism as an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm. And therefore, they're more inclined to embrace it. And it's 
I mean, it's easy to say, but it's it's just not easy to be there sure. cognitively and emotionally because sure. we've got to be in a place where we are good with being told that we are bad. Mm-hmm. And that's just not easy. No. So, yeah. so this is just one example of how people, depending upon their vertical altitude, they will make meaning of their world in more or less essentially effective ways, depending upon their level of cognitive and emotional sophistication. Okay. So that's that's one level. Does that does that help? Yes, it it, it does. It does. I do. So I understand that like that's a level. I mean, that, that just it sounds like maturity, right? Your your ability to hold other people's criticisms of you to take it and and learn yeah. from it. That's that's what I that more maturity as opposed to. And I guess maybe that's is that it? Like, is that the we're maturing into a better version of ourselves with with by elevating ourselves, but in the in this vertical development concept versus just adding skills. Yes. So, and I think the the word you're using is mental maturity, and I think mm-hmm. that that's another apt word that we could use here. Um, let me give you another example uh, that comes from uh, uh, I've been doing some coaching with a CEO. And he's the founder of his organization. And I asked him a question in our first coaching call. And I was just, his answer just kind of caught me off guard. So I asked him, why did you start your business? Okay. And his answer was to prove others wrong. Okay. And I just found that so interesting. Like, because there's part of that that's really good because it's making him really driven. Right. But also I think you just... Like me, I imagine that you kind of sense that there's some insecurity here, mm-hmm. that yeah. there's some fears that are going on. And and so how this shows up for him as a leader is that whenever problems occur for him in his organization, he kind of wigs out, like his nervous system starts to take over and he wants to step in and micromanage. Mm-hmm. And that that's what happens. And so while, while he, so what he's got, he's got an internal operating system that is programmed to help him to stand out. But it's also an internal operating system that is holding him back from being a more effective influence within his sphere of responsibility. Okay, okay. Be- be- because because he's coming from the defensive place? Exactly. And, okay. and he has a hard time recognizing that. Mm. And so what, what's one of the things that's helpful to understand is this concept of vertical development, the, the term vertical development is fairly new. It's about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. But the concepts behind it actually date back to the 1960s. Okay. Um, and it, it comes from the field of developmental psychology. And I think uh, just a brief history lesson is really powerful here. So uh, developmental psychology started in the 1880s. And from the 1880s till the 1960s, they primarily focused on child development because mm-hmm. we can naturally see children develop essentially right before our eyes. Sure. And what they found related to child development is that as children go from infancy to adulthood, they go through different developmental stages and they do so rather automatically. It's essentially a function of their age. Okay. Well, in the 1960s, a select few developmental psychologists started to ask the question, do adults develop? Right. And if so, do they go through different developmental stages? And what they found is that, yes, adults can develop, and yes, there are different adult development stages, but what they also found is that most adults actually don't develop in adulthood. Right. 
Right. We, we fact, become stagnant. We, we fall into our yeah. habits. We become def- like, yes, we, we, we overemphasize our own expertise, all that stuff. Yeah. So what in the statistics on this and what they found is we've got they've got there's three different adult development stages or what I'll call vertical development stages. And what they found is that 64 percent of all adults never get beyond that base stage of vertical development. Mm. 35 percent end up getting to level two and only one percent gets to level three. Okay. And so by just kind of understanding there's these different stages, it gets us to start to ask, I think, a a question that is really powerful, but one that very few people ask. And that is, what is my vertical altitude? Yeah, where where am I I in the stage of development? I mean, I've never, I haven't really thought about this at all before. So yes, yeah, where am I? How do I get to the next level? Where, like, you know, what are the pros and cons of being where I'm at? Like, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. (laughs) <laughs> Good. So uh, I, I don't know. Does it make sense to maybe just jump in and summarize these different levels? I absolutely would help if we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. So this this base level is it's a level that I call Mind 1.0. And the reason why I and I'll I'll call the others Mind 2.0 and Mind 3.0. Okay. Because at each level, our body's internal operating system is programmed to fulfill different needs. Mm-hmm. So at this base level, Mind 1.0, our body is programmed to fulfill the needs of safety, comfort, and belonging. Okay. Yeah. So this, are we? you're talking about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's not exactly Maslow's. This, these ideas, these concepts were, were partially inspired by Maslow's. That's why you see some of the overlap. As mm-hmm. we move up, you, you'll see how there are some similarities, but, but there's... There's also some differences, so it's not exactly Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. But but the, but the premise I think is still relevant: is that most people are primarily wired to stay safe, comfortable, and to feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. And how that shows up is that we we want to join and identify with groups or tribes that will help us to fulfill these needs. Right. And, and so we might join. This could be a family. This could be a friend group. This could be a religion, a pro- political group, a professional association. Mm. And, and when we join these groups, we, we usually say, look, I don't want to take charge here. I just want you to tell me what to do and I'll go and do it, provided you keep me safe, comfortable and feeling like I belong. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like this is when you join a sports team and. Uh, and you have like a hazing process, right? Like that's basically what you're doing is you're saying, as long as you make me feel like I belong to this organization, uh, I'm willing to put up with a lot. Yep, exactly. And so this is where 64% of people operate from. Okay. Um, the next level up, you're going to see a really significant shift in the needs we're wired to fulfill. So at this mind 2.0 level, our needs now are to stand out to advance and to get ahead. Mm. And uh, in fact, we're willing to be unsafe, uncomfortable and not belong in order to stand out, advance and get ahead. So this is like this is the this is when you have the star players that start to get an ego because they want more time with the ball. Not to make this all about sports, but it just seems like it seems yeah. to apply. So this idea yeah. of of that player who's like, you need to give me the ball more. I'm not getting enough touches because I, the the team is better with me if I'm if we're standing out. So you're, you've moved past belonging, and now you're to the point where you want to be the leader. 
Yeah. And this is where the CEO that I mentioned earlier, I want to write his, I, I want to prove others wrong. You can mm -hmm. see how he's operating at this level. And in, when we're here, we're like, when we're in mind 1.0, we are dependent thinkers. We're, we're, you tell me what to do and I'll go and do it. Right. Well, when we get up to this mind 2.0 level, we become independent thinkers, right? We did, we're willing to push back against our group. We develop our own set of ideas and beliefs, and, mm -hmm. and we hold to those rather tightly. Right? This is we, Oftentimes, we kind of think this is the right way to do things, and I want to get other people to, to kind of fall into how I'm doing it. So what we actually find is while 35% of people operate at this second level, 85% of executives operate at this level. Hmm. Oh, it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because they've gotten to this place where they kind of have their own ideas, their own opinion, but they also see that there's a whole lot of mind 1.0 people that are willing to give of their power and independence. Mm -hmm. And so the mind 2.0 people say, well, let me use all of that to help me stand out, advance and get ahead. Mm hmm. So that's the mind 2.0 level, Does right? That and I, and I think sense? yeah, so far uh, yes, I'm I'm tr I'm tracking right, and I and right. yeah, it, it I see where it differs from from Maslow. I see I see how it applies to different organizational elements. I I do. It's a, we're we're it's a little dense, a little heady, but yes, I but not <laughs> it is. yeah. Yep. Well, I appreciate you stepping into the headiness of yeah this. yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, the third level, mind 3.0, is again a radical transformation in our needs. The needs that our body becomes wired to fulfill here is to contribute, add value, and lift others. Okay. So, so what's going on here is that we no longer have the need, the mind 1.0 need, to stand in, to, to be safe, comfortable, and belong. We also don't have the mind 2.0 needs of standing out. Okay. Here in this mind 3.0 level, we don't care about standing in and we don't care about standing out. What we care about is contributing to do something bigger than us. Interesting. Right. We shift from being, uh, we go from being a dependent thinker to an independent thinker. And now in this third level to be an interdependent thinker. Mm-hmm. And that means that we we like to sit in complexity. Like what we find a lot of times with mind 1.0 and 2.0 people is, is they could be rather polarized in their thinking. Right. Well, mind 3.0 people, like they don't like white and black. It's all about for them, it's the full spectrum of color. And they wanna sit with that. And they're not focused on standing in in the short term or standing out in the short term. Mm. What they're really focused on is a longer term, bigger purpose. Mm. And so only what we find, what research Is there a 4.0 or is 3.0 the, the, <laughs> the end? Is that the end all be no? Well, so here's my thoughts on this. There, there's different vertical development experts out there and they put together different frameworks. What this framework that I presented is a summary of kind of all of the best ideas from a variety of different frameworks. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other frameworks that do go beyond this third level, uh, but I, I guess I'll be honest with you, is I'm, I'm not anywhere near that level, and I have a really hard time comprehending a level above that. And so whenever I've read about any levels above, it's just kind of, it goes over my head. Uh, so that's kind of my honest admission. So I imagine there's something there, but it's like really ethereal and that I can't wrap my head around. Sure, so. sure, sure, sure. 
Okay, so we'll accept that this idea. I mean, you can also see it in some in certain people's development, right? Like you look at uh, 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 Warren Buffett, right? You see him sort of go from you know from I, I, we can sort of chart his two point to three point rise. Yeah, where yeah. he goes from trying to create a lot of shareholder value to this idea of giving away a lot of his wealth in order to because he wants to make the world a better place. So I I, I can kind of see your. Um, I can kind of I can kind of see that your your these these ideas of vertical growth vertical development uh, in in that. So how do we? Well, here's that we, you've given us a lot to think about. Hold on, so we're gonna take a quick break. I want to come back and I want to dive into how elevated leader and how your work applies to uh, figuring out where you're at in this process. Um, I think a lot of us have a good idea of it, but figure out where we're at and then how to move from one to the other because again, those sound like uncomfortable concepts. Um, mm. usually because we're rewarded and reinforced at whatever level we're at in the, in those things. And I, I hear what you're saying, uh, uh, in, in, in what they represent, but I want to, I want to move it to them. So take a quick break. Perfect. We're going to come back and, and, and unpack those, those three layers a little bit more with Ryan Godfrey. Okay, Ryan, before the break, we were talking, oh, uh, you know, you're talking about these, the, the, you know, the, these adult mind development levels, right? So this idea of sort of, uh, uh, giving up your sense of self in exchange for belonging and then giving up your belonging in exchange for notoriety and then giving up your notoriety. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm being very reductive and paraphrasing here, but giving up your notoriety and fame essentially, uh, in whatever sphere you're in, uh, in exchange for being a part of, or, or of the greater, we call it the greater good or, or in, in, in interdependence on others. So, um, you summarized that. Well, that was great. Yeah. So it goes, it. it goes dependence, Independence, interdependence, if you want to go like really. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so as we move through those levels, okay, I got it. Uh, how do you better understand where you're at? And also, is there a way, maybe this is judgmental on my part, is there a way to skip from one to three? Because I feel like a lot of people are better off skipping two. Um, <laughs> I know that we can create a lot of shareholder value at two, uh, but but I feel like the world needs more threes. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And here's, the, let me bring up, I'm gonna answer it in two ways. So the first way is what research suggests is that no, you can't skip levels. You can't go from a dependent thinker to an interdependent thinker. Right. That, that you have to move to that independent step. Now, how long we stay at that step is another question, right? Mm -hmm. Because our, our vertical development, unlike our child development, it's not a function of age, it's a function of effort. Right. So right, it's right. about how much effort we put in. But, but here's another, I'm going to kind of shift gears here, but, but before I, I do so, uh, let me just kind of summarize. Essentially what this framework does is it allows us to ask and answer the question, what is my vertical altitude? And that's, that's just a really powerful question. And again, because most people don't ask it, mm -hmm. but it's not the only question to ask because sure. I don't know about you, Gib, but if I... What what's your answer if I were to say, do you see all three mind levels in yourself? Sure, sure. There are there are situations in which I am very comfortable being giving up a sense of myself in order to fit in, in order to make other people around me more comfortable. There are situations yeah. in which I want to stand out, and there are situations uh, in which I I want to work with other people in order to make the whole better than and 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 do not care about my own notoriety or sense of self. Mm -hmm. Great. So, so I, and I think most people feel that way. I know I do. Um, and so the other question that we can ask ourselves is what is my center of gravity? 
what percentage of my time am I spending in each of these different mind levels? Now, this opens up a new, a new framework for us because our, initially we get to think, which is a good way to think, is how do I elevate? But when we think about this in terms of the center of gravity, another right. way of thinking how about do this I move, is... How do I move my center of gravity and spend more time at the next level? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So those are, those are two different ways that I think we can think about. I think both ways are really helpful. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. So, so give me some examples and unpack how... how you know, this idea of elevated leader allows us to move that center of gravity. Well, so I think if we want to elevate, if we want to shift our center of gravity, what we've got to do is we've got to do something different than what we're used to doing when it comes to developing ourselves. I think a lot of times, again, we want to focus on the horizontal. What do I need to know? What do I need to do? What skills do I need to develop? But, but that's not going to work for horizontal development. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's, it, it could be incrementally helpful. It's not going to be transformationally helpful. If we want to elevate, if we want to shift our center of gravity, we've got to go back to our definition of vertical development. Part of that definition was how we make meaning of our world and do we do so in cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. So if we want to vertically develop, we've got to focus on our meaning makers. Okay. And what are our meaning makers? Our meaning makers are our mindsets. Okay. The mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world around us. And, and here's what I've learned as I've, I've spent the last five or so years focusing on, on mindsets with people is, is what I've learned is that I think almost everybody thinks that they have really good mindsets. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, if I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Right. Because our life's experience have kind of told us these are the best mindsets to have. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best mindsets, even though they feel right to us, because they may not be very cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. So it might feel right to me to get defensive when I receive constructive criticism. Sure. But that's not necessarily the best way to respond to constructive criticism. And so, so what I've, I, I've got a mindset assessment. We talked about this in our uh, last podcast, but I've had, I've now had 30,000 people take this mindset assessment. And what I've learned is that only 2.5% are in the top quartile for the four different sets of mindsets that are assessed in the assessment. Okay. So what that means is that most of us. There's a lot, a lot some... of rhyming words in there. Four different sets of mindsets that were assessed in the assessment. So, so wait, what is the fourth mindset? Because I, I, I'm only familiar with the three. Or, or is, this, is this different than mine, 3.0, 1.0? Yeah, it's different. So there's, there's growth, open, promotion, and outward mindset. So the, okay. those are the positive mindsets that we assess in the assessment. So, um, so, most, what, so what we find is that most people, just their mental lenses aren't as high quality as they could be. And so if we want to vertically develop, we've actually got to question the quality of our mindsets, investigate those, and figure out if there's better mindsets to have. Okay. Um, like, let me give you a, a, a basic example of this. So uh, I think a lot of our mindsets come out of our childhood, kind of how we are raised. So sure. a part of how I was raised is, is my dad was born at the tail end of the, of the Great Depression. He was like 46 when I was born. So mm -hmm. He was older, tail end of Great Depression. And uh, also in the early 80s, just before I was born, he he was an entrepreneur and his company went out of business during the economic downturn in the early 80s. Sure. And and so what this what he did after that is he took a st 
stable civic job, right? And and he the way that he raised me was, you need to view money like a fixed pie. And the way that you grow your wealth is by capturing more of that pie uh, than others. Okay. So it, it's more about saving than about growing wealth. Sure. Uh, so he, he was he was a very he, he kind of ingrained in me. You shouldn't go into debt. A lot uh, of a lot of people who came out of the depression have this mindset. I, I've definitely heard of this. Right? Yes, I agree. And and he's essentially he was like, you'd never want to be an entrepreneur because it's going to put your family in, sure. uh, you know. And, and so coming out into adulthood, this was my this was my mindset. And to me, it felt right. It felt good. It was right. what I was raised with. Uh, I, I graduated with a PhD without going into any student debt. Amazing. So, um, so that was my mentality. But I, I just realized that I, w- I had to awaken to the fact that this mindset, while in some ways it was helping me, in other ways it was really holding me back. Mm-hmm. Effectively, what I had was this deficit mindset. Um, but there's also, we can have what I learned is an abundant mindset where rather than seeing money as a fixed pie and you've got to, you've got to, you want to try to capture as much of that pie as possible. Mm-hmm. An abundance mindset says what matters less is the size of your size of your slice of your pie. Mm-hmm. What matters more is the size of, of the, the pie. pie. Right, right. So rather than rather than seeing a pie as being fixed and wanting to have as big a slice as possible, it's how do I grow my pie? And even if I have a small sliver of a slice, that could be a lot bigger than a small pie to begin sure, with. Sure, 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 sure. And so when when I realized that, I was like, I mean, it was just, I just felt like it was an awakening moment for me. I was changing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my cognitive and emotional sophistication as it relates to money. And... Uh, upon doing that, then I'm like, oh my goodness, how do I grow my pie? Well, I want to start a business. I'm going to have to go into debt to do so. I want to write a book. I want to start consulting. And and now I'm engaging in behaviors with more of an abundant mindset that I never did and never would have done if I continued with my deficit mindset. So for me, hopefully that's just a, a, a personal example of shifting and elevating in my cognitive and emotional right so that, that this is all mindset at that at this point I, I i and how does that though get us to i mean get us to this idea of moving vertically between those centers of gravity well so where i was with the deficit mindset was i was at mind 1.0 i sure. want to stay safe sure i see stay that comfortable right right and then and then as i shift and you're willing an and you're willing to you're willing to sacrifice a sense of self right you're willing to take jobs Take a job working for somebody else, building somebody else's pie in order to keep a good slice of it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so when I shifted to that abundance mindset, in the process of doing so, what I did is I shifted to mind 2.0. Right. Let me me be out in front. Let me show people what I can do, what I can build, how I can be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got my own ideas, right? I wrote a book. I've got my own ideas. I want to... Uh, right, and I want to be—I want to stand out. I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. That's—that's mm-hmm. that's kind of—that's where I elevate it. And, and I'm not saying I'm not still there because I think a lot of me is. But now that I've learned about these that these vertical development principles, now I'm—oh my goodness! I—I I have not arrived. Right? It's—it's it's not enough to operate at mind 2.0 while there's some value in doing so. Sure. I've got to get up to that next level, that mind 3.0 level. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Because that's where, 
Because here's the difference, is when we operate below that mind 3.0 level, mm -hmm. ultimately, we are focused on ourselves. Sure, sure. Either standing in or standing out. It's mm -hmm. only when we get above that mind 3.0 level that we're now focused on something bigger than ourselves. Okay, okay. And that's that's where we that's where magic happens in terms of us being a positive influence on the lives of others. It's right. So many leaders they hire people essentially to I'm going to hire you so that you can help me get ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, the mind 3.0 leaders, and if we study them, I could give you some examples. We could talk through them, but is they don't hire people to say how can you help me get ahead. They say I want I want to help you get ahead. Mm -hmm. And because I know that the more that you get ahead, naturally success is gonna come for me. Mm -hmm. It's just very few leaders ever get to that space. I oh, mean, I in terms of executives, what they've found is that only 8% of executives get to that mind 3.0 level. Hmm. But but I mean, when this we is look like, at this is like how Costco is 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 set up, right? Like we're, they're going to take extra good care of the employees and make them stay and be happy, uh, and invest in the employee happiness and employee confidence, and then the whole company has better customer service and uh, it, you know is a more enjoyable place to shop, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Like I I think one of the best examples is Microsoft. Okay. As they shift from uh, Steve Ballmer who I would say is a mind 2.0 leader, sure. to Satya Nadella, who I would say is a mind 3.0 leader. I mean, he steps in and he says, essentially, one of the first things he says is, uh, the C in CEO stands for curator of culture. Okay. Right? I okay. only think a mind 3.0 leader says that because sure. he's saying, I need to create the right context for our employees to thrive because mm -hmm. the more that they thrive, the better our organization will be. And what we've seen under Satya Nadella is, is a radical transformation of Microsoft. I mean, at their, uh, about a, you know, I guess a year or so ago, they were up 11, their stock price is up 11 times what it was on the day that Satya Nadella took over. Mm -hmm. Now, the stock market's taken a hit on everybody over the last sure, sure, know, sure, several sure. months. But, the, but, the but they're value, still, right, yeah. it's been exponential growth since he took over. But under Steve Ballmer, they never had any growth. Their stock price stayed the same. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we can look at any organizational transformation. And at the root, what we're going to find is a mind 3.0 leader. Interesting. And it's, it, but in your argument is that, that the mind 3.0 leader actually gets the mind 2.0 results. Uh, you know, so the, the, in other words, that gets the results that the mind 2.0 person is obsessed with. You end up winning exactly. uh, overall if, you, if you're thinking about interdependence on each other. Um, I see that. Give me, a, give me another tangible example of, of a mind, you know, somebody moving from, or an organization moving from, from 1.0 or 2.0 to 2.0 or 3.0 respectively. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, there's, there's a great Ted talk out there. You can like see it in, in this gentleman. So the, and I'll point anybody to it. The, the guy's name is Benjamin Zander and he's the founder and conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. Okay. And, and he's also got a great book called the art of possibility where he talks about this. And he said a stereotypical authoritative leader, right? He's at this mind 2.0 level. He saw it was his job to get his musicians to play the music the way that he wanted it played sure. so that he could get all the notoriety. Right. 
But in his TED Talks and in his book, what he says is, halfway through my career, I had an epiphany. And the epiphany was, while I may be the face of the orchestra, I do not play a note. And he said that changed everything. It, it was, it was life-changing for him because he, what, what they then started to, to realize was his job was not to produce beautiful music. Mm. His job was to awaken possibility in his musicians. Mm. And the more that he could do that, naturally they would make beautiful music. So he, rather than seeing his musicians as instruments, to play the music the way that he wanted it played. He wanted to see, he wanted to make sure his musician, or he saw his musicians as people, as opposed to instruments. And his job was to help them to play the music, not the way that he wanted it played, but the way they were most capable of playing it. Interesting. And one of the, the great lines from his TED Talk is, um, one of the things that he asked himself is, when something goes wrong, who am I being that their eyes are not shining. And he says, the way he judges success is how many shining eyes do I have around me? Mm. And I, I love that. And that's just completely a mind 3.0 attitude. Love it. Yeah, Mind 2.0 people, I don't think they get there. And you see, I, I think you could visually see that shift from with, with Benjamin Zander from that mind 2.0 level to sure. that mind 3.0. Sure, sure. So this, I mean, this idea of, how many eyes are? Sh I think people would look at that as as I think if you're if you're stuck in a 2.0 concept, you go, well, that's a meaningless thing. You know, who, everybody wants to feel good about themselves. That's such a waste of time. We got where's our results? Where's our you know where's where is uh you know where where's us closing deals? Um, yep. And and people think of that as like this sort of woo woo stuff. Like okay okay hippie, you can your eyes can shine when we make our quarterly goals. Um, but I hear, but what I hear you saying is that in these examples that you've curated, this idea is actually better for everybody involved. Um, I would like to pivot because you give me a business example and a uh, an arts example. I'd like to pivot to how you can apply this thinking into some more day to day stuff that people, that people, those of us uh, who maybe don't run an orchestra. Uh, I, don't, I can't speak for you, but I know that I don't run an orchestra, um, <laughs> yeah. or or who aren't running a you know large Fortune 500 software firm. How we can begin to apply this stuff to ourselves? Well, and this is where we can go really, really deep with this. Um, so one of the things that I've I've done in my journey of trying to better understand vertical development, trying to understand our mindsets, where our mindsets come from, mm -hmm. is is what I've found is I've stumbled across the role that trauma plays in this process. Mm -hmm. And, and this is, this is really profound because what research has found is that 70% of people have experienced trauma to the degree that it inhibits their body's neurological system in some way. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that, the more trauma we experience in our lives, the more self-protective we become. Mm. And, and, and that neurologically, literally, our body's wiring becomes self-protective, and we operate at these lower vertical development altitudes. And, and the reason and so why... So in the example of your father, right... You have yeah. you have the you have the bank you have the bankruptcy and the being over leveraged and stuff like that and that 
that pushing him to a place of of doubling down on 1.0 mindset yes exactly and and it's wild so even the research on trauma one of the one of the most immediate side effects of trauma is what's called dissociation we we disconnect from the feelings of the trauma sure it's a self-protective mechanism sure it's one of my favorites <laughs> and and what what the research has found is that the more disassociations that we have we actually lose our ability to connect with our body with our with our emotions with our fears even with our feelings like what the, what they're finding is that people who are more dissociated mm-hmm. have a harder time recognizing when they're thirsty or when they need to go to the bathroom wow. than other people. Sure, yes. I mean, it, yes, sure. I get it. I get it. And 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 so this is how this shows up for me. This is what I've learned. I mean, if you would have asked me two years ago if I had trauma in my background, I would have said no. Right? My parents stayed together. Um, they went to every basketball game I ever played. But but uh, two years ago, I started engaging with a trauma therapist uh, to do a, a form of therapy called EMDR. EMDR. I, I do EMDR every week. Processing. Yes. Awesome. So so you could probably speak to this. Um, but what I very quickly realized uh, working with my therapist is that I did have trauma in, in, in my childhood. Mm-hmm. That while my parents were always there for me physically, they were rarely there for me emotionally. Okay. And so I, I was, I, I think I would qualify it as I was emotionally neglected as a child. Okay. And, and how that has shown up for me is that I knew it from a very early age that if I wanted my emotionally, my emotional needs met, I was on my own. Mm. I couldn't trust other people. Mm-hmm. So of course, naturally, when I come into adulthood, now I see this everywhere because I'm a fiercely independent person. Um, I, I now have learned that I used to not think I have trust issues, but yes, I have trust issues. Um, be, and, it, and it all stems back from, from this kind of my upbringing. And as I've gone through this therapy process and have awakened to some of the, my internal operating system that has been surely shaped by my past trauma, here's, here's what I felt is, is that it is by Engaging in this trauma therapy is what's helped me to to start to rise above that mind 2.0 level. Mm. I don't I don't think I'm fully in that mind 3.0 level. Sure. But I feel like I have grown more over the last two years than I would say the last 15 years of my adulthood. Okay. Um, because because what I'm doing is I'm going through I'm healing my body's nervous system and I to me this is the most beautiful message about vertical development is that vertical development at its most foundational level is healing our body's nervous system from the trauma that we've experienced in life. Hmm. Mm. Okay. And do you feel like this? Do you feel like EMDR and the work you've done on yourself is sort of opened up this concept for you to be able to understand the the role that trauma plays in stunting your movement between between these layers? For sure. And, and let me let me share maybe the the way that most immediately immediately shows up for me, right? My primary sphere of responsibility or influence is my family. Sure. And and I used to I used to think of myself as a pretty emotionally intelligent person, but right. What I've learned is that I, it was never modeled for me by my parents how to emotionally connect with somebody. Uh-huh. 
And, and so I thought I was doing a decent job of that with my wife and my kids. And, and what I've realized is that whenever my kids just were emotionally distraught, I was kind of always like, ah, rub dirt on it. Mm-hmm. I, because that's kind of how I was raised. And, and, and I, I had a hard time seeing the negative impact that that was having on my children. And what I now see, I'm not perfect at it. But what I now have the capability of doing now that I didn't before is when my kids are emotionally distraught, that I am able to create the space for them to have those emotions and to be able to sit with them in those emotions and help them work through it as opposed to, eh, you know, rub dirt on it. And and I, I would say I've it's been game changing for my family, for my wife, my kids, my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just know that I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that you know, has struggles to connect uh, to the emotions of their children. So right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's hard sometimes because their emotions seem so ungrounded. So you're like, get over it. I mean, I, yeah, we, I, I think a lot of people say that to their kids. Get over it. This is ridiculous. We're not freaking out about it. But, but I think sitting in that with your kids, like, like you know, the, the classic example or something that I've been, I've been, I, I've heard recently is you're at a, you're at a store. You, let's say you're going to Target to get uh, to the toy section to get a present for somebody else's birthday, and your young child, you know, <laughs> like five or six years old, is in the toy section and wants to get a toy for themselves. And you say, no, we're here, we're here for you know um, uh, Ellie's birthday. We got We got to get. We're getting her a present. We're not here for you. And the kid, you know, they're six, their emotional regulation starts to go and they're, and now they're really freaking out about it and they're upset. Yeah. My, my tendency would be get over yourself. We know what we were coming in here for. This is inappropriate. You need to learn to control this emotion as opposed to sitting in it with them and saying, Hey, we're not going to get a toy today just because that's not why we're here. And, and, and it's an appropriate boundary. I'm not going to change the boundary because of this, but, uh, but what you're, but I hear that it's really frustrating. It's hard to look at these toys and not be able to get one. Um, and you know, maybe you can take a look around and pick some toys that you really want. And when it is an appropriate time, your birthday, Christmas, or some other event, those toys would be for you. Um, and, and you can help process and come up with like a, a way forward is, is a much more mature, elevated way, again, of, of approaching this, but also yeah. incredibly hard. and also makes you feel like a total hippie in the store when you're having that conversation <laughs> with your kid. You're right. But, and if I was to just kind of put words on exactly what, what I feel like you're saying is as we vertically develop, as we upgrade our internal operating system, we develop a greater capacity to be present, mm-hmm. mindful, and centered in situations that normally throw people outside of their window of tolerance. I mean, that's effectively what we're doing when we vertically develop. Sure. We are expanding our window of tolerance. So we are less likely to be thrown outside of our window of tolerance and, and therefore not effectively navigate the situations that we're, we're in. Uh, okay, so do you feel like, uh, based on what you just said, do you think that the, the mindfulness practices uh, and, and regular centering prayer and things like that are, are effective at generating, uh, at generating vertical development? Most definitely. Um, I don't think that they just in and of themselves will make that happen, but I think that it is, they are essential parts of what need to happen in order to vertically develop. 
I mean, what meditation really is, is it exercising our body's nervous system, right? Our mind, if we try to meditate, our mind will naturally run off. It will naturally do that. And meditation is simply bringing them, bringing ourselves back to the present. Right. It will right, run off again right, and we're right. bringing it back to the present. That what we're doing as we do that is we are strengthening our mindfulness muscles. Mm. And, and, and I think that is a necessary part of the vertical development journey for sure. Um, okay. So then, so then land this plane relative to, to the, the new book, uh, this idea of elevated leader is this idea that you just, uh, are, is, is the book about getting people to these higher develop to, to, to mindset 3.0 or to brain 3.0? Yeah, yep, it is. So the, the first half of the book is all about what is vertical development and what are these three mind levels? Oh, it's basically and how we structured the interview today. <laughs> yep, you got it. And then the second half of the book is, all right, how do you elevate? And that's where we dive into to mindsets, which is, here, here's the way to think about it, is there's, there's two different ways to vertically develop. And this is backed by neuroscience, is there's top-down approaches where we kind of start with our cognition, move into our emotions, and down into our body. That's what we do when we focus on mindsets, is mm -hmm. we're starting with our cognitions. What are my mindsets? How do those make me feel? And then how am I? how is that showing up for me in my body? Well, then there's another approach, which is bottom-up approaches, mm -hmm. which, is, which are things like body scan meditations, EMDR, mm -hmm. right? Where we actually start in our body, we allow our to rise into our emotions and then into our cognitions. Mm. And, and what we're doing, whether it's top down, bottom up, or both combined, is we are strengthening and healing our body's nervous system mm -hmm. so that we, we are less prone to become dysregulated. We are widening our window of tolerance mm. so that we can stay present, centered, grounded, regardless of the change, pressure, stress, uncertainty that we may mm. be facing. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I think like there, there's so much depth to what you're talking about, right? And and I think like whether I, I think you see this in, in interestingly enough in in um, spiritual practices and in spiritual leadership through the millennia, right? These this, like this is what you're talking about is not dissimilar from uh, you know uh, the the idea of nirvana or or self-actualization or even the teachings of jesus like all of this aligns with what you're talking about where these where you're moving towards an others focused thing you're dealing with your own trauma to a point or another focused mindset you're dealing with your own trauma to the point where you are able to um you're able to connect with people and see that that the interconnection is where the value in ourselves lies, right? It's uh, it's our ability to yeah. be interconnected with others. So, I mean, like, you, you, the, I almost feel like you're taking a modern. Uh, you, you have the modern business idea or concept uh, of of millennia of people screaming from the heavens to try to get people to understand this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, that makes it, I don't know. That makes it feel like way, way big, but, but in a certain degree, I think like, I think you're right because I, I mean, here's just the, another way of putting it. Right. And we're going to, I'm going to go back to right where we started is there's a difference between horizontal development and there's and vertical development, right? Horizontal development focuses on doing sure helping us to do more. 
vertical development is focused on being. Mm-hmm. And, and all of these other examples that you talked about, religions, you know, ancient practices, yeah, they're, they are focused on, on beings, uh, on our being and elevating our being. And so this is very much in alignment with those ideas. I don't think it contradicts anything there. Sure. But I, I, what I found for myself and what I'm hoping for others is, is that this is approach, uh, hopefully I've conveyed it in such a way, both uh, us talking about it and in the book, that it makes it feel approachable, mm-hmm. like not so ethereal. And, and and at least that's the way that I felt about it. It's been, I mean, honestly, if I, if I was to put one word on my vertical development journey is it's been awakening. Mm. The entire process is just going from one level to another, continually trying to, to move forward, is I'm awakening. I'm awakening to different levels about myself, my fears, my insecurities, my trauma, my mindsets. Mm-hmm. And the more I awake, the deeper I go inward, what I'm finding is the mm-hmm. higher I go in terms of my vertical development. Okay. And I think that is going to be the same for everybody. I think we're going to we're gonna end this here just because you're, you know, we've given people a lot to chew on. We've been talking for almost an hour about this. Um, but uh, I mean, what again, what you're talking about seems to me, I mean, it's almost like the practice of meditation is or uh, the meditation centering prayer, regular prayer. It, this is the, the, that's software. That's that's horizontal development. Right. But applying it and using that and the truths that you learn in that in that process in order to be more others focused in order to move. That's that's the that's the vertical development. Is that a. Yeah, well, so I would say meditation is a horizontal, uh, sorry, meditation is a vertical development tool. It's yes, not right, a horizontal right. development tool. No, no, yeah. but it is, it, learning the art of meditation is in and of itself a horizontal development, but it's a tool. Yeah. A horizontal yeah. development is a tool for vertical development. It's almost like widening your foundation so you can build a taller building. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to think of it in those terms, right? So, you know, the more you, the more skill sets you have, the more you can elevate others. So if you, it's, if it's a law degree, right, to your point earlier, getting a law degree is, uh, is a horizontal development, right? It is education. Yeah. It is a way, learning a way of thinking. It, it's fantastic. Now with that law degree, you can now help, uh, underserved people. You can, um, you can you can work for the best interest of your clients uh, or or what have you and 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 you can use that horizontal development to do more vertical stuff to do, be more interdependent on other individuals and, uh, and and your broader community and to elevate the world. It's just a question of what you do with it. So again, it's a scaffold. It's a foundation from which you build vertically. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Ryan, the link to where to buy the new book, uh, is, is in the show notes. Uh, you get, I'm, I, I'm, I'm percolating. I'm percolating. The book is the elevated leader. Look for the link in the show notes, folks. Aside from the book, Ryan, where can people follow up with you? Yeah. Best place is my website, ryangotfordson.com. Uh, on my website, I think you'll be interested in a couple of things that we've discussed. One is my mindset assessment. If you want to take that also with my new book, it comes with a vertical development assessment, Amazing. which you can also get on my website. So that'll help you kind of step into what is my vertical altitude and we can get a sense of where we're at and then where we, where we need to go next. Okay. So link to the website, uh, will also be in the show notes for you guys to follow up. Ryan, one last thing. And I ask it to everybody, uh, what is something that we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? 
Man, I, I think meditation is one of the things we brought up. I, I would say another thing that's been game changing for me is I've, I've got a book called The Five Minute Journal. So that's something I do every day. What are three things I'm grateful for? Three things that would make today amazing and then some self-affirmations. So These are some pretty think, pretty common practices and I kind of love it. I mean, I, I've, I've heard this from yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, Ryan Gofferton, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's it for the show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. Follow up with John at Facebook.com slash John Tesh. He's also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I'm Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every DM every mention of the show because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.